everybody and welcome to another episode of the RPG Companion Podcast, the companion podcast to Magic with Zuby, which is all about Magic the Gathering, but RPG Companion is all about Dungeons and Dragons and any other RPG I fancy myself talking about. And today we are going to be discussing the new book that was just announced, well not just announced, but announced a little bit ago, uh, called Tasha's Cauldron of Everything. And we're going to be diving a little bit deep into that. And we're going to be talking about some little changes coming to this podcast as well. It has been a while since I've done an episode. And I apologize about that. It's been, I've had so many ideas running around. And I figured I'm going to try to rebrand this a little bit here uh, to make it a little bit more casual than I was. But we'll get into that in a little bit. Uh, This show can be found on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and Spotify and Amazon Music. We were just accepting on there just search for magic with zuby to find it because it is under that main rss feed this does not have its own rss feed i figured i'll just slap it on with my magic with zuby since i do way more episodes of that and that that show comes out weekly and this show comes out pretty much when i feel like it but um, I'm hoping to change that a little bit here. So anyways, uh, before we dive deep into some of our topics, uh, let us get some ads out of the way and then we will dive deep into some D&D. Well, hey there, Zoe. Why the long face there, chum? I just want to order some magic cards, but the shipping was too expensive. Too expensive? Well, did you know if you go to LegitMTG.com, you can order any magic cards, and anything over $2 or more has free shipping. Wow, free shipping's at LegitMTG.com. That's amazing. You heard that right, Zoe. Free shipping at LegitMTG.com with any order over $2 or more. Be sure to visit today and get the best deal on magic singles and magic sealed product available. And that is how you beat the latest standard meta with Abzan. Ugh, it feels like there's no magic content out there for someone like me. Someone who doesn't want to be competitive. Someone who is... Who is... a normie? Yeah, exactly! A normie! Well, have I got the show for you. The all-new Magic for Normies show. Hi, I'm Pixie. And I'm Zuby. Together, we host the all-new Magic Magic for for Normies. Normies. It is the Magic the Gathering show for all your normie needs. We don't care what deck got into the top eight or what deck is winning. We care about having fun playing Magic. That's right, Pixie. You can watch us on Pixie's Twitch channel at twitch.tv slash pixiekittenplays and catch the VOD on our YouTube channel, Pixie Kitten Plays. If audio is your thing, you can find episodes on the Magic Wazubi RSS feed. Magic for normies. So what I'm doing to basically try to rebrand this show a little bit here, because before I was trying to really make this show... I wouldn't say really serious. I was just doing a lot more prep for this show than I would do Magic Wazubi. For instance, where Magic Wazubi, I do a lot of interviews, and then I'll also do some solo episodes where I may do a deck tech or talk about some random news topic, right? And those are really easy for me to come by because I play the game like every day, right? I play Magic all the time, and I'm so invested in the community. But that's not to say that I'm not invested in D&D as well. I play D&D at least 
two to three times a week and I DM two games right now and I'm a player in about one and a half games right now. Uh, more info on that, you know. Eh, yeah, maybe we won't discuss that so much. But um, anyway, so I'm sort of redoing this where I'm going to make this a little bit more casual, bring up, talk about topics of D&D and RPGs in general, maybe even do some DM tips, stuff like that. I, I'm sort of making this just as casual as it can be. And also talking about new products coming out, maybe talking about, I don't know, some sessions I had, just whatever random stuff floats my boat, you know, and you know whatever comes whatever comes my way here um, i'm gonna be definitely focusing more on D D more than anything but that's not to say i will not talk about other rpgs like i've been reading a lot of pathfinder second edition and i want to play it so bad like i have read a lot of the rules i've made characters and all that i understand a lot of the gameplay but i have not dm'd it and i have not played it and i want to play it so bad um the other part, the other reason why I'm sort of doing this a little bit more casual is I'm lacking a lot of the time I need to create what I want. So, and what I mean by that is I have a full-time job, right? I have a full-time job career, have family, um, two kids, you know, a wife, you know, take up a lot of my time and then plus taking care of a household on top of also doing this podcast as well on top of streaming and by the time that I even start thinking about RPG Companion and that I want to really dive in and make the content I want, I'm like, I just have no time. Or the time that I do have, I'm like, I'm so exhausted from everything, I don't even want to think about this right now. So this is why I'm doing the change here. I'm sort of just taking a step back, realizing, okay, well, if I can't do what I want to do, let me do this instead, which is what this is going to be from now on. I may have some interviews again. I've had a few people on uh, that I've interviewed before. I'm hoping to maybe get some more, but I'm not going to rush it or pressure myself for this. I'm going to take it as normal and take it as needed that when I want to do it. Magic Azubi always will usually take priority because that is my bread and butter. That's my baby. That's the podcast I've been doing for over four years now, and I love doing it. And this is just going to be more of, I'm going to just be more casual about it, I guess. So I guess let's go ahead and get into the first topic of discussing what's going to be in Tasha's cauldron of everything. And then I do want to have a little bit of a discussion of the new ability score increase uh, drama that's going on because even my players are kind of not liking the idea, but we're, we're going to go over what it does and some of my thoughts and feelings on it as well. And then we're going to end the show. I'm going to try to do this with a lot of my solo episodes where I sort of give a dungeon master tip of the day or of the episode or of the week, something like that. And, you know, just sort of going on about, Hey, do this. Don't be afraid of doing this, et cetera, et cetera. So, uh, let's first get into talking about what's going to be in Tasha's culture and everything. And then we'll go on from there. All right, so Tasha's Cauldron of Everything was announced a little bit ago, and it is going to be the newest source book for Dungeons & Dragons 5th Edition, where it's going to be very similar to Xanathar's Guide to Everything, where there's going to be a lot of subclass options. They're going to be reprinting the Artificer. They're going to be reprinting some of the subclasses we've seen in Ravnica or Theros. Um, there is going to be definitely a lot of new subclasses. There's going to be some new character options. I've seen stuff um, even... New spells, magic items, magic tattoos, um, expanded rule options. I said we're going to 
oh, they're going to expand on the sidekicks, which we saw in the um, the new D&D Essentials kit, the Dragon Spire, Ice Spire, whatever it was called. Um, look through that. It looked pretty neat. And there's going to be some supernatural environments, natural hazards, and parlaying with monsters and game guidance on running a session zero, which I feel is very important because it is session zero is not only the type of session you need to create characters and come up with characters, it's also a good session to have where you sit down with everyone and talk about, hey, this is what the game's going to be about, you know, what what does everyone want out of the game and then you really go from there um it's cool that they also say there's going to be a be a plethora of puzzles as well too i'll be interested to seeing that after i got wally dm's uh puzzle book i've been sort of using that for my latest dungeon i'm working on in my friday game and it's i, I kind of like some of the ideas so be sure to check out wally dm and his puzzle book there i think it's on drive through rpg or dm's guild one of them I can't remember which one I bought it from. So I'm going to be looking over uh, the thread from D&D leaks to sort of go over what's going to be in the book, Tasha's Cauldron of Everything. So they say there's supposed to be four chapters, uh, character options, spell and magic items, group patrons, and tools for du dungeon masters, which I'll be interested to see what they've got for that. Um, there's going to be 192 pages, at least one new subclass for each of the 13 classes, which that's cool. Uh, 22 new subclasses, five reprinted subclasses. So I talked about that before where the Ravnica and Theros ones are being reprinted, but the blade singing wizard is going to be reprinted as well. I'm curious as to what exactly about the blade singing wizard is going to be reprinted. Is it going to be reprinted in a way to where it's not going to require only elves be blade song wizards? Um, and what about the other sword coast adventure guide classes like the battle rager and, um, was it the Purple Knight? I think it is. It's not like they're very good anyway. Um, anyway, so... And let me see what else they say. Oh, yeah, the Artificer is going to be reprinted, which I'm glad about that. Because as much as I, you know, like that Eberron book and all that stuff, I, 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 I wouldn't mind it ha being in one book as well. Um, you know what? Let me just put this out here. You know, you know what they need to do when this gets reprinted or something. They need to make like an ultra mega player's handbook or something that has just everything, everything that's be re been reprinted for the past five, six years, right? And everything from the base player's handbook, from Xanathar's and Ta Tasha's. And just go from there. I mean, I know they, you know, Wizards wants to make their money and they sell the separate books and all that stuff. But, heck, it would just be a lot easier with just one book. Um, but, uh, what can you do? What can you do? So, um, what else have they said? Now, I don't want to go over, like, all the supposedly new subclasses. Because a lot of them are either UA or there's not... Um, you know, there's not a lot of confirmation on it. Uh, so they're saying there's going to be allegedly a psionic wizard. Whether well, That'll be interesting. Some new spellbook options. I'll be interested in seeing that. I've only played one wizard once, but only like level two or three. And it was not that exciting. Maybe because the campaign we were in wasn't very exciting. 
but I digress there. Um, and then they're also talking about the new lineage system that allows new custom customization of characters, which we'll get into in a little bit here. Uh, the one thing I do like that they're mentioning is they're going to, there's going to be a removal of negative racial modifiers from kobolds and orcs from Volo's guide, which I am all down for that. I am hundred percent down for that because you know, I, I, I would like to play a kobold. Like my, my goal one of my goal characters is to play a kobold bard. And you know, he's a from a tribe of kobolds that, you know, doesn't like music or anything. And he's been one of those like, I want to be a musician, because I once saw a wandering bard, and you know, just go from there. From there. I'll I'll play him one day. I'll play him one day. Uh and let's see, races from the player's handbook are considered the archetypical version, the new origins. Oh, okay, they're talking about the new um, ability score stuff here. So, I mean, without getting too deep into some of the spells they're talking about and um, the magic items, like I said, a lot of this I feel like isn't confirmed. I don't want to dive too deep into a lot of this, but the one thing they did show were magic tattoos and there's actually two of them that they seem pretty okay um I, I i feel like hold on so let me just read them so the first one is the masquerade tattoo it's produced by a special needle this magic tattoo appears on your body as whatever you desire so to attune to this item you hold the needle to your skin where you want the tattoo to appear pressing the needle there throughout the attunement process. When the attunement is complete, the needle turns into ink that becomes the tattoo which appears on the skin. If your attunement to the tattoo ends, the tattoo vanishes and the needle reappears in the closest unoccupied space to you. Okay. Interesting. So how long does attunement take for it then? You hold the needle where you want the and pressing needle there throughout the attunement process because I, I remember I thought like magic items attunement takes a little while or wow how long are you gonna have to attune with a tattoo so the masquerade tattoo fluid ink as a bonus action you can shape the tattoo into any color or pattern and move it to any area of your skin whatever form it takes it is always obviously a tattoo it can range in size from no smaller than a copper piece to an intricate work of art that covers all of your skin and you can use this to do disguise self as an action you can use the tattoo to cast disguise self with a dc of 13 to discern this disguise once the spell is cast it can't be cast from the tattoo again until the next dawn so that's not too bad if you're playing sort of a stealthy character or something like that as a rogue I, I like pretty much as a rogue i'd want something like this even if i'm not being like an arcane trickster or anything like that this would just be super handy to have if i'm trying to sneak around town or you know be stealthy you, not even just around town just try to be stealthy anywhere and the other one they mention is coiling grasp tattoo it has grasping tendrils while the tattoo is on your skin you can as an action cause the tattoo to extrude into inky tendrils which reach for a character you can see within 15 feet of you the creature must succeed on a dc 14 strength save or take 3d6 force damage and be grappled by you as an action the creature can escape the grapple by succeeding on a DC 14 strength athletics or dexterity acrobatics check. The grapple also ends if you halt it. No action required. If the creature is ever more than 15 feet away from you. Or if you use this tattoo on a different creature. So 
when you you use it as an action and be grappled by you as an action the creature can escape the grapple by succeeding ooh so i'm playing a two-handed a dual wielding echo knight fighter right now in my sunday campaign and i would want to get this tattoo with him where all right i i grasping tendrils with you know my tattoo with my my real self then bonus action summon my echo and then just have my echo beat down on it as it's grappled by my tattoo oh that's so awesome um i like that way better than the masquerade one the masquerade one's definitely more for like role play type stuff and being able to sneak around which is cool this one is just hey you know i as a fighter or monk or or any kind of martial class that's not magical at all can hey we get grasping tendrils now and boom there you go so some of my thoughts on the magic tattoos i, I guess just magic tattoo as a like mechanic here can be interesting like those two do seem interesting um as a player because they sort of give you some spells or abilities that maybe you normally wouldn't get or that you can only get from a magic item maybe you, there is no magic items for you out there and maybe your dm wants to do something fun and do tattoos instead right they have a tattoo shop in their city and you know hey for five thousand gold you can get you know whatever tattoo you want something like that or however much the price would be for certain tattoos which i think could be cool and so far those two don't seem that strong you know off the top and i'd be curious to see what else they come up with and it also sort of starts coming up with ideas for homebrewing stuff as well too where you know hey if there's a coiling grass pet tattoo why can't there be a magic missile tattoo or a i don't know a grease tattoo or like hey you put a tattoo on your eyes and you tap your eyes and the grease spell comes out of it that'd be kind of weird but hey visually appealing for some people i guess um it's I'm, I'm interested to see what more they do with this um but does this just sort of make it so i guess that still accounts for your attunement slots right because you can only attune three items and so does that I guess magic tattoos would also count for your magic items as well too so that doesn't seem it seems good it's just um didn't seem as overpowered as i thought it would be because i'm thinking okay yeah you have three magic items and then boom a tattoo as well too so it does seem that strong if it's still following the same attunement rules as far as like other magic items go doesn't seem too bad and it, it, it's a little bit more flavorful as well too um let's see what else they have they talk about uh the book contains rules for supernatural environments and natural hazards which i will like that especially for natural hazards because i do like throwing certain things in my game like weather events um like there was a time in my friday game where my players were going through mountains like they were going through some treacherous mountains during the winter time and i had basically a rule go where they had to get warm clothes and then every day they woke up they had to do a constitution check to see if they'd be able to i wouldn't say survive the cold just be able to withstand the cold and if they 
if they failed that constitution check, they would have disadvantage for the rest of the day because they just couldn't get over the cold. But as soon as they got acclimated to the weather for about two weeks, they the D.C. for the for the cold check was getting lower and lower as each day did go by. So a lot of the, the first few days, the D.C. was a bit higher because no one had ever come from cold environments before. They'd all lived in like tropical or temperate environments where it didn't really snow or if it did snow, it was like very light, nothing like blizzard conditions. So I'll be interested to see that. And then I've also had in other games where I've like thrown tornadoes at them like 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 natural tornadoes and natural hurricanes and stuff and i'll be interested to see what kind of rules they have for that i hope they have something like that because i would like that because with like my tornadoes and hurricanes i just sort of i don't know just say hey yeah you guys find shelter and then a whole bunch of you know trees and houses get blown away type stuff you know just not really i'm not very creative like that off the top of my head uh, parlaying with monsters, not a heavy rule system, just some tables DMs can roll on to decide what a monster might want instead of conflict. That could be good just for some random ideas, right? They talk about session zero, new puzzles, and I'm, I'm always down for puzzles. I like puzzles, and um, I know the few puzzles I've made for my players, It's they figured out in like five seconds. I'm like, damn, because I don't want to make it too hard, but I make it hard enough to where... I think it'll take them a little bit. And then they're like, yeah, we figure it out in less than like two minutes. Like, oh, damn it. All right. Um, and then, yeah, I'll be interested to see what supernatural environments they have. Like, I want, I, I keep talking about my Friday game. That's been the game I've been DMing for over a year and a half now. And gosh, it's what, October, November, December. In four months, it's going to be two years. Holy shit. Um, wow, that's crazy. And, you know, we're going to be, I'm going to be sending them to hell pretty soon in the next few months. So I want to see if they have anything like that for supernatural environments, just, just to sort of give me ideas. I've been sort of looking at the uh, Avernus book, the Boulder's Gate Avernus, uh, Descent into Avernus for some ideas for hell, because I sort of do a homebrew world and all that, but I get a lot of ideas from Forgotten Realms and Dragonlance and The Witcher and Lord of the Rings, everything. Um, let's see group patrons. Oh, okay. Okay. These are, so they're talking about ones for like the ones like from Eberron. Okay. So I wonder if, um, it's going to be something di different. If I can give each other advantage on checks a number of times. Okay. 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 I thought it was going to be something new. I didn't know it was going to be related to Eberron there. Okay. Um, sidekicks, which will be cool to see again. And, you know, that, that could be, you know, I should probably do that with my daughter because we, we we need to finish up Lost Minds of Fandelver because we started that during the pandemic, but we never finished. We only did like two or three sessions, I think, and we never finish it up. It's just life's been crazy during this whole pandemic thing. So overall, I think the book is going to be fun. Um, it's going to be... I, it's it feels like to me it's going to be very similar to Xanathar's where you're going to want this book as a player in a DM you're going to want this book because there's going to be a lot more fun stuff being added to it uh, especially you know if you're one of those who likes to play some of the Ravnica or Theros subclasses but you get tired of having to lug, a, lug along both of those books or something hey now you have it all in one book now which is hey that's a great improvement there 
and it'll be interesting to see some of these new some of these new spells and some of these new magic items too i'm i'm kind of interested now that i've read off those tattoos i'm kind of more interested in seeing what the tattoos are going to be like um i kind of like that idea of the tattoo there and heck i want to see some more of the subclasses too let's hope um let's hope there's some more fun stuff out there uh, the uh I mean, hell, my fighter, I'm playing a fighter for the first time and I chose Echo Knight. That has been one of the most fun subclasses I've ever played in D&D. I love that subclass. It's so much fun. Um, so yeah, that's basically Tasha's Cauldron of Everything. Uh, as soon as we know, well, I guess I should say as soon as the book is out, I do kind of want to do a book review of it and uh, sort of go over it from there and just sort of see, you know, what are some of the changes? Like, were there any changes to Bladesinger Wizard or was there any changes to the Circle of Spores or the Order Domain or anything like that for those subclasses? And just also talk about a lot of the new stuff too and see what could be exciting. So the other thing I want to dive into is the new sort of customizing your race your origin in D&D so we're going to get right into that right now all right so a little bit of a hot topic here is the sort of customization of races that Watsi is bringing to D&D 5th edition and let me just preface this by first starting off with I know I get it I understand that this is not something required at your table if you as a DM do not want to introduce this to the game that is fine I think what sort of gets me about a lot of these changes is the repercussions this may have down the road with maybe D&D 6th edition or whatever have you. So basically the gist of it is this, where, and we're gonna use Mountain Dwarf as the example because that's what everybody's using. So essentially when you choose your race and sub-race right now in D&D, you have ability score increases. So with a Mountain Dwarf you get plus two to constitution and plus two to strength for the dwarf, I think, or the mountain dwarf. Um, let me double check here. So for the dwarf, you get a plus two to constitution. And if you choose mountain dwarf, you get a plus two to strength. So with the new rules, they're talking about where instead of putting your ability score increases in those two stats, you can sort of put those plus two ability score increases into anything. So Let's say you want your Mountain Dwarf to instead get plus two to Dex and plus two to Charisma because why not? And while on the surface that seems, you know, fine, right? I think that sort of has some other repercussions here that maybe some people aren't thinking of. Um, so, and and that's, and you know, talking about other races, it's sort of the same thing. So if your race gets a plus two, to strength and a plus one to con, you know, you can put that plus two and plus one to anything else. Um, and the same goes for languages as well. Um, if you're, if you're a dwarf and your race typically knows common and dwarvish, you can instead, you know, choose it to be okay. They know common and gnomish or common and celestial for whatever reason. Um, the other thing is whatever proficiencies or skills that your 
character your race may know from the beginning uh taking dwarves again so they have proficiency with battle axe hand axe light hammer war hammer they can instead choose to be proficient with tools instead or a different simple weapon or a different martial weapon depending on what it is so like a battle axe is a martial weapon so they can choose to be skilled with a long sword instead or a blacksmith's tools or, or, or anything like that, right? And for tool proficiency, same thing. They can choose different tools they want to be proficient with um, and different skills they can be proficient with. So let's say, you know, your dwarf, you start off with um, being able to be proficient in history checks, right? Okay, now instead of that, you can be proficient in perception checks, okay? Just sort of changing it from there. But like I said, I think some of the stuff that I feel is a little bit detrimental to the game is at that point, the races just become skins at that point. There's really, and I hate using the term mid maxing or power gaming, but that's sort of what a lot of this leads to. And I understand a lot of people already do this, that, Hey, when they're going to be picking a class, they want to make it as best as you can. And, and that's fine. I mean, a lot of people do that. Heck, I want to try to do that where I try to make, you know, have the best stats and, you know, best class and make it, you know, fit in together. But I also like being limited by the restrictions of it, too, where I'm limited to where, OK, let's say if I want to make a monk, right? We all know elves make really good monks, but Maybe I want to do something a little bit different that's not very commonly seen. Maybe I want to make a gnome monk because they're small and can, you know, be hard to get to. But, you know, gnomes aren't the best. You know, with these new rules, I can now instead make, you know, my plus two, plus one into decks and, you know, wisdom for that. Which sounds good on the surface, but it's kind of like, you know, you're, you're already making it better already you're 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 not being really restricted you're being you know sort of oh god what's the word i'm looking for it's sort of like your as i said you get you, pretty much your race is just a skin at that point there's really no downsides to picking any race at that point um you know so it's and that can sometimes be the fun of it too like purposely picking a race that isn't optimized for that class you know like i actually enjoy like the wizards i have made that i have actually played have all been dwarves and dwarves are not very good wizards but i enjoy making them because i like dwarves and i sort of like not optimizing i guess in a sense now with these rules it would allow me to optimize but the other thing that i think about too so let's look at barbarians right if i remember correctly or or is it fighters fighters get proficiency in all armor and shields they get proficiency in all weapons simple and martial weapons but they get no proficiency in tools so with these new rules i could essentially make whatever race and instead of getting any proficiency in, and if i know i'm going to be a fighter instead of getting any proficiency in weapons with my race i'm just going to make them all tools at that point which kind of makes it feel 
I don't know. I don't. It just doesn't feel right, you know. And I get where Watsi is coming from because they're trying to say, well, we want you to make truly unique characters and all that stuff. You know, your character maybe didn't grow up in a mountain with other dwarves. They may have grown up with halflings, right? And I get it. I totally understand that. I get where they're coming from. And like I said, I get that not every table will do this, and you don't have to do this. It just to me sort of sets a precedent to where are is this how D&D 6 edition is going to be where it's just right out the bat where you know, choose whatever ability score increases you want and it's it's sort of getting rid of the history of that certain races are better at certain things and I understand that sets like a whole other precedent that could be talked about outside of this podcast you know in real in real life complications especially dealing with race um but and just really trying to stick with D terms here it just it, it's almost it's almost like what's the point of picking it, it, it's almost like what's the point of picking a race when i can just essentially pick you know a- anything and well i guess i mean more of picking what's the best like mountain dwarf right away is going to be automatically better than a lot of stuff any any other race that starts off with plus two plus two is going to be seen as more desirable than anything else like what other races have plus two plus two um i'm trying to look here uh i thought like didn't lizard folk have something like that or or was it goliaths no not goliaths was it lizard folk no, I thought there was another race that also gets a plus two, plus two. I can't remember. I'm trying to look here. Um, There probably is. I just don't know. But I mean, you know, look at humans. Humans are basically, you know, shafted. They, they don't really get anything. I mean, out of these rules here, I mean, nothing changes for humans. I mean, variant human, yeah, you can do any two unique plus ones. I mean, eh. You know, so, I mean, if, if we're to be honest here, you know, the problem I see with this is just the, the homogenization of creating races here and creating classes. It's, it doesn't, it feels like you're giving people less choice in a sense Oh God, I, I hate that. I, I hate saying that because it's not really less choice. It's it's because, as I was saying, a lot of creativity comes from restrictions that are based on the system that you're in. And this sort of just opens up the system, right, to where, oh, hey, you don't have to purposely make a bad character now. Your character could be great at everything, you know, right off the bat. And it just sort of doesn't make it feel special like if everyone's special no one is special right and it kind of makes it a little bit bland and boring like i keep going back to pathfinder second edition that's what i really like how pathfinder does their race races as well where you know you have your they call it ancestries there so you have your ancestries and your bloodlines and each ancestry and each bloodline within the ancestry is vastly different and gets vastly different things um compared to what races are and it just feels like it's becoming more of a homogenization it's almost 
it's almost similar to when I think about World of Warcraft, right? Where you think about when you chose a race back in World of Warcraft, how you were very restricted on not only what classes you could be and also, but the, the talents or the certain skills that certain classes, certain races would get are better than others. And now it's gotten to a point in World of Warcraft where races don't really matter that much. They're just more of skins. And this is kind of what it feels like it's turning into where it's just, oh, it's a skin. Cool. It's not really doesn't feel like a like a meaningful choice. I guess that's what I guess that's the best way to describe it. It's not they're taking away a meaningful choice by homogenizing it. And, you know, if people like that, cool, good, good for them. And if that's what the game is turning into, okay, cool. Like I said, you don't have to play with these rules. And I know I probably personally won't play with these rules on my table. And, you know, to me, it just sort of, it it takes away a little bit of the fun from it, in my opinion, where, you know, it's, it can be fun to limit yourself and make something that's not optimized because you can get some really good role play out of that and some really fun games out of that as well too so we're going to end off this episode with a dm tip a dungeon master tip and my tip for this episode is it's not as a dm it's not important to know every single rules interaction in the game knowing the basics yes is vital But for every little action and spell, it's okay to ask what does that do or to look it up yourself. There have been so many times where, you know, I've DM'd for, I've DM'd 5th edition since 2017, but I've been DMing for a long time. I've DM'd other systems, um, DM'd other D&D editions, but... There's still, even three years into DMing 5th edition, I still don't know everything. There's still so many little things that I don't know or that I can't remember. Like, like every single spell, right? Like, okay, so, you know, fireball. Okay, what does that do again? How big is the radius or how, how far away can he cast that? I don't remember every single little detail of it. And, you know, it's okay if you don't. If And... You know, the most important thing as a DM is to know the basics of the game, like know how turn orders go, know like what each kind of ability checks do. Like really for what I find super important as a DM is opening up the player's handbook every once in a while and read it again. Read about certain rules interactions like did you know a long rest isn't you're not sleeping for eight hours straight. You're only you only have to for a long rest. You only have to sleep for six hours and then you can do two hours of light activity. That's including like being on watch reading you know reading your spell book uh, and you know, cooking or something like that. N- nothing strenuous. So, and you know, that's a rule I didn't know a couple months ago until, you know, I looked it up and it's like, oh, so you don't have to sleep for eight hours. You only really have to sleep for six hours and then do two hours of, you know, sitting around doing nothing, essentially. Um, and, you know, and it's okay as a DM. Don't expect yourself to know everything. It, expect yourself to know the very basics and then don't be afraid to tell your players oh i don't know let me look it up and then try to arbitrate the rules from there or arbitrate you know whatever action they're trying to do because your players are going to surprise the hell out of you as to you're going to be like what do you want to do again you want to do what and you're just gonna 
give them this look and you're like, um, okay, I gotta look up that rule. Like, they're gonna they're gonna do the weirdest shit you can imagine. Like, um, I had a player one time, they got mad because I they went into a room, they were expecting they were inspecting this room and uh, they opened up a, a foot chest at the foot of the bed and um, out popped three banshees and they almost died from the encounter because there was four of them and they're all pretty high level. They're like between levels 13 to 15 and the banshees all wailed one after the other and all but one survived the whale. Um, luckily the one guy just got super good wisdom saving rolls or constitution save i think it's wisdom um see once again i don't remember everything the monsters do right like i know what they do but i can't remember every little save on what it is and um so after they defeated the three banshees which you know for levels 13 to 15 they're not very hard to beat it's just that mournful whale it can just drop you know any level down if they fail that wisdom save so the uh, after they beat the banshees, I they want to look in the in the chest, and I'm like, all right, there's one gold piece, and they were like so pissed off. So the wizard takes out the gold piece and um, puts it on the bed, and then asks me, how many firebolts do I have to do in order to melt this gold piece? And I'm all like, once again, like, what do you want to do? You want to do what? And he's like, yeah, I'm just super pissed off that this encounter almost killed our entire high level party, and I'm all like okay um so i had to go google what the melting point of gold is and then i had to think about well a fire bolt doesn't actually do too much like burning you'd have to do probably a lot of fireballs and then contain the fire to make it really hot and i'm like yeah no you're not gonna be able to do it just even how many continuous fire bolts you're doing so i mean it's stuff like that right your players are just gonna completely take you by surprise and not knowing you're gonna be like what are you even talking about so don't fret about it you know don't be afraid to google stuff or even be like hold on hold on everybody let me look let me look up this rules interaction because they're gonna get you you think you're prepared to dm you think you know all the stuff that your players are gonna do nope You'll come up with this encounter like, yeah, 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 I've thought of every like XYZ type thing that's going to happen. Nope. Your players are going to be like, nah, 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 we're, we're going to 100% surprise you all the time, every time. And then sometimes when you think you're going to surprise them, they don't fall for it. And they're, they're like, nope, we're not going to take that bait. We're just going to ignore it. And you're going to be like, what the fuck? Anyway, so that's it. That's my that's my DM tip. Don't don't fret about not knowing anything every single rule of D&D because hell I don't I don't know every single rule I mean I, I I try to do my best I have a really good grasp and understanding of all the basic rules but Jesus it's yeah you can't remember everything and there are some days I even forget the basics too like I there's some things that I, you just you just plain forget you know you can't remember everything you're you're human you're not perfect okay it's okay to not remember everything so that's my dm tip and i think that's the end of the episode i hope you all enjoyed this sort of more relaxed version of rpg companion and i hope to do some more of these maybe i don't know i'll just try to mull around some more ideas for episodes and they'll come out i guess when i feel like it uh hope you all enjoyed it and hope you all have a great night good night